Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and my guest today is Stacy Moore. He is the commissioner of the American Cornhole League. Yes, you heard that correct. The American Cornhole League, bags, whatever you want to call it, it is now a sport, or it's been a sport for a little while. They're on ESPN. They're doing some incredible things. They're one of the only sports that is running right now. If you haven't heard or seen, highly, highly suggest you check it out. But this is the interview with their commissioner, all-around incredible guy, Stacey Moore. And if you could please give us a five-star review, give us a subscribe, do whatever you can. It would be very helpful in getting the show to be just a little bit better and more and more people to check it out. So we would really love that. But without further ado, here is Stacey Moore. Today, I'm for the love of sports. I have Stacy Moore, American Cornhole League Commissioner. Stacy, how you doing today, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. Pleasure's all mine, brother. Pleasure's all mine. As I was just telling you, I was watching you yesterday, or I was watching the American Cornhole League with my family yesterday. Everyone's in their mask, doing what they can mm-hmm. to stay away from each other, which is great. But man, it's great to have live sports back on. So I do appreciate you. And I guess Dana White can get a little appreciation for that one as well. Have you ever been compared to Dana White before? I mean, you guys are practically the same person at this point, right? <laughs> Not quite. I wish I had his paycheck. That would be awesome. If Keep I, if doing I your thing, that. man. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be nice if I could get to that point. But uh, I actually did see him at a conference several years ago and, uh, and, and, and saw him speak and, and that was pretty cool because, you know, they were still, I wouldn't say in the early stages, but they were probably about midway, uh, with things and mm-hmm. they were just ramping up their sponsorships and, and recognition where they were hitting an inflection point to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I think that we're at that point right now and, uh, I look forward to seeing what happens in the future, but I would love to to be as successful as Dana White and, like I said, get that paycheck at some point in time. Honestly, I think if you were, you know, 10% as successful as Dana White, you'd be a <laughs> yeah. extremely rich man. Say, so, hey, yeah, not probably, to cut you probably short. 1%, right? Probably yeah, right. 1% of Dana White's net worth would be awesome. I don't want to cut you short, of course. I love what you guys are doing, and Johnsonville is one of my favorites. So whatever oh, the heck yeah. you guys are doing, keep it rocking and rolling. But, Stacy, the first question yeah. I really have to ask you um, for the love of sports is, why do you love sports so much? You know, I grew up loving sports uh, with my family, you know, going to games with my dad. Um, I'm an NC State guy. I'm third generation NC State Wolfpack. I'm actually representing George Washington today. My daughter declared George Washington. So so I'm repping, uh, you know, where she'll be going to school, hopefully in the fall. We'll see Mm -hmm. if it's going to be virtual or she'll be on campus. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just grew up loving sports. Uh, you know, I played all kinds of sports as a kid and uh, always a big part of my life. And so, um, so yeah, I've just, I've just been a long, long time sports, sports lover, all mm-hmm. kinds of different sports. Can't, can't be, can't, can't blame that. Um, you can't beat it. It is absolutely fantastic. I as well growing up. And so I, I was joking around with you a little bit before we got on and I saw you were your portfolio manager 
for a little while. Uh, so you were in the finance game. You did some stuff there. Thankfully, yeah. got out. God bless you to whoever sees <laughs> in the background. Um, thankfully, you got out. And then now you're in, in the sports space. So was working in sports always kind of a goal? Or did you just hate finance so much you had to get the heck out of there? No, I mean, I actually did not hate my job at all. Um, so I, mean, I was fortunate uh, to be a portfolio manager on a mutual fund uh, at Bank of America. It was a great opportunity, but uh, actually before then, so starting out, believe it or not, my first job uh, out of college was with a semi-professional basketball team. Love it. And uh, it was actually in a league called the Global Basketball Association. So if no one's ever heard of that, they should uh, Google it and check it out. Um, Our team was called the Greensboro City Gators in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, mm-hmm. so coming out of college, I thought I was going to be in sports all my life. Um, but we didn't make it. Uh, after the first season, we actually shut down our team. Uh, the league tried to make it another season. I think they only made it about halfway. Um, and so then I went to work and I did a lot of different uh, types of jobs. And I ended up with, uh, with uh, Bank of America uh, running the mutual fund a few, a few years after that. So. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure yeah. there's a couple stories along the way, but we don't we don't need to talk too much finance here. I yeah. I was in that space for a little while. Not my favorite. I got out. I'm back in sports, and I'm happy. And I'm sure you are too. And so yeah. I noticed, um, you know, before the, the the cornhole league was created, you actually created something called Tailgate Ventures, where mm-hmm. you're really looking at the tailgating industry, which I think is really interesting. And I think the number I saw was something like 15 billion, maybe. Uh, it's yeah. a giant, giant number. So I'm just kind of curious, where did this idea come from, and how did you? you know, kind of dip your toes into the water before you jumped right in. Yeah. So, uh, you know, back when I was, was working on the mutual fund at bank of America, I started investing in startup companies and, uh, in a lot of different industries. And, and I had a passion for entrepreneurs and working with entrepreneurs and, and dealing with entrepreneurs. And then as I was doing that, uh, in my own tailgates that I was doing my dad and my granddad at NC State games, I just saw how much money people were spending tailgating. So there has to be a way to, to create some business, some type of business around this. So I created tailgating ventures to focus on the tailgating lifestyle. And we created a bunch of different brands, almost like a tailgating incubator, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so uh, the first brand we launched, uh, kind of the primary brand was inside tailgating as a content brand. And so I felt like that was going to be the leading brand uh, in the tailgating space. And then the American Cornhole League just kind of emerged out of trying all these different things. And uh, and now all of a sudden the American Cornhole League has taken off and, and I'm happy for it. I love it, man. Tailgating incubator. Never thought I'd see or hear those two words put together, but yes. I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. That is fantastic. As I was telling you, I mean, who doesn't keep going? That's probably, that's probably the least formal incubator ever created. Right? Exactly. Like, hey, it's but, like, what are you guys doing? I don't know. Drinking some beer, throwing some yeah. bags, having a good time. Sounds like the yeah. kind of incubator I want to be a part of. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, the most, yeah, the most fun incubator for sure. Oh. Easily, easily, man. So yeah, let's, I mean, let's talk about the uh, American Cornhole League. As I said, you're the commissioner, you founded it. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, with, with Cornhole, there's, you know, I, you know, it's it's kind of like beer pong. It's house rules. Wherever you're going, it's kind of played different everywhere you're gone. Is it this, who get what's getting canceled? What's not, how is the scoring done? How far is it supposed to be apart? So I guess how, how do you go about kind of formalize, formalizing a league around something that is just kind of a very, 
casual game that, as I said, kind of is played different wherever the heck you are. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that was one of the things as we were going around tailgating and, and watching people playing cornhole and playing cornhole ourselves, we learned uh, different parts of the country had different rules or mm-hmm. there were house rules. If you showed up at a bar, uh, you know, like you said, whether it's playing pool or playing beer pong at a bar, cornhole is very similar where people have their house rules. And uh, so kind of taking a little bit from that and seeing, okay, what makes the most sense to make this a legitimate sport was really um, what I had to boil everything down to. So, um, you know, so we took a lot of advice, a lot of things from, from different part, different house rules, basically, and mm-hmm. created our, our, our own rule book out of that to govern the sport. And how do you decide on which rules? Is it just the ones that you've always been playing with? Is it, I mean, is, no matter where you go, it's your rules are always king at that point, right? So did you kind of just yeah, give you guys that, give yourself well, a little extra? No, it, de- it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't our our home rules because I probably grew up playing the bus rule. What's right? the bus rule? Or I, I, well, I wouldn't say grew up, but like a typical tailgating game lot or whatever you'd play. So if you went over 21, you had to get reset to 13. Okay. Yep. So play that way. Yeah. So you would have to land 21 max. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things early on that I was like, if this is going to be a sport, that can't happen because games could just go on forever. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially with some of these professional players. Uh, right. I mean, no one would ever get 21 on the number. So we were, so immediately that was one of the first rules is like, okay, 21 plus game's over, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, you know, that was one of the bigger rules. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I mean, we play that at parties sometimes. And yeah, occasionally, you know, you'll hit 22 three times in a row and mm-hmm. it's starting to get frustrating, but I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And I guess, where where did the idea come from? As you said, you know, you walk around tailgates, you're playing cornhole all the time. And I'm sure, you, you know, it wasn't the first idea you had, but how, where did this idea come from and who were you? tailgating with what game were you at where you're like you know this why don't we just turn this into a league yeah so you know the original idea was that we wanted to create like a tailgating game olympics and a big event with all sorts of all sorts of other tailgating games and so we created an event called megagate actually that featured you know washers polish horseshoes um bocce uh, so about eight different tailgating games uh, we did at, at the first ever Megagate. I just saw people were just playing cornhole a lot more seriously than these other tailgating games. And even at you know tailgates we would go to, we would just see there was always this pocket of, of people that were gambling on it, and they mm-hmm. were like really intense, you know, much more so than ladder golf or washers or any of these other games that were going on in the lot. So I was like, what is it about this game that has everyone so dialed up to a different level and has everyone competing like a lot more with a lot more intensity mm-hmm. than, than these, than these other tailgating games. And, uh, so the more I watched it, the more that I learned the strategy that these guys were employing, the more that I understood how much they were practicing at home. And, uh, I finally said, look, if we put some scores and stats around this, if we tried to formalize it with some statistics to showcase the skill of these players, and create a broadcast around it, then I think we could make a legitimate sport and evolve it from just a tailgating game. And here we are. I think it's incredible. I mean, I mean, the the first I remember seeing it on television was last 4th of July. Now, I don't know if that's the first time it was on ESPN mm-hmm. or if that's the first time I just noticed it there. But when I saw mm-hmm. it, my friends and I, we were at a bachelor party. 
we had cornhole with us. We were playing it that weekend and it was on. I just put it on. I said, what the hell is going on? What <laughs> world do we live in? And we all sat down and watched it. So like that first time you guys, like, how do you, how do you go about marketing a sport to people that it again, it's a, it's more of a drinking game than it is anything else. Right. So how do you no. go about and get people to understand what the league is and why they should be involved in it and, and really start to create the community within this already, you know, blossoming community? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that July Fourth event was actually the second July Fourth broadcast that, okay. that we had. Um, uh, that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to get that first July Fourth slot after the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Eating Contest. It was just a great spot to be in uh, with ESPN. We're certainly grateful to to have that that kind of visibility in, in, in mm-hmm. that spot. Um, so yeah, so it was. You know, it took it definitely took some convincing to get ESPN to give it a shot the first go around. Right. And, and so they started us out where we were on ESPN three, we were doing digital broadcast and it was probably six weeks before our second uh, championship where they said, you know, we have this live window on ESPN two and we saw what you did at your first championships from a broadcast perspective. And we thought it was really good. And so we're interested in, and putting it on, you know, our linear channel, ESPN two, what do you think about that? And so of course I was like, that's awesome. What's the mm-hmm. difference between a, a digital broadcast and a linear broadcast? I had no idea because it's not my background at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but we quickly scrambled. We learned that, okay, we had to significantly amp up our production, significantly amp up our resources. Um, but yeah, when we pulled off that first ever live linear broadcast on ESPN two, we went viral on Twitter, and uh, I, that broadcast is what gave them the confidence to put us on July Fourth, mm-hmm. and uh, and we certainly have a great audience, and it's a great day to to showcase cornhole. Absolutely, what more of an American day than uh, to get the American Cornhole League rolling, right? July Fourth, that's perfect. Everybody's mm-hmm. out in the yards already, probably tossing bags around. So I think that that part is is great, and and I guess. You know, how do you like getting the contact information with ESPN, having those conversations is great, but there has to, you know, you, you guys have to have an audience at that point. You have to have a reason for people to come in and pay attention and watch. What was it like trying to build the audience for the league specifically, knowing how many people, you know, I have friends that just make the boards and the bags yeah. for fun and give them out for Christmas presents. So I know people that have them, like, how do you build the audience to watch it on TV or, or, or digital or through social media? Yeah. So, you know, at first there was a, what I would call a core group of avid cornhole players uh, that could be, that could become natural fans and Mm -hmm. and take the sport seriously. Uh, Right. But compared to the general public and the rest of the world, still a very small percentage, but yet I could see how passionate they, that they were about it. And I was like, if we can translate this passion to the everyday person who's picked up a bag or building a board and in their garage or whatever it may be, then I think we have something. And, uh, and so that was really the key was, was recognizing the passion that these top players had from this community that was already kind of bubbling up, so to speak. Um, and saying, you know, this is something that, that, that we can really grow on. If we put some structure around it, uh, have a system that allows anyone to play 
with us regardless of their skill level. So that's our tagline. Anyone can play, anyone can win. Uh, we have five different skill levels where we do points competitions. So you don't have to be the best of the best to play in the ACL. You can be a beginner and come out and play against people with similar skill levels. And I think that's one of the uh, really cool things that we created right off the bat that uh, that allowed us to to kind of build that foundation for explosive growth. Yeah. And I think, again, it's it's absolutely exploding. And I think one of the coolest part, of it, the things is, as you said, you know, it's anyone can play, anyone can win men versus women versus, you know, 16 year olds, you know, whoever is out there, you know, if you're good enough, you can go and you can go and toss a bag. There's no, uh, you know, it's not like NFL or NBA where you have to be a certain size or anything in, in most situations. It's yep. you know, how accurate can you be and, and how well at sliding and and drop shots and all these other things that I'm learning on the telecasts. Uh, you know, so I guess it's just, it's such a cool opportunity for anyone pretty much to just go out there. And how, how did you find those people though, I guess? Cause like, how did people take it seriously? If that's a okay question to ask. Yeah, that's why, I mean, there was a certain core group that was taking it really seriously. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, that was one of the most important things was, uh, you know, and then it's like convincing that core group that, uh, that I have this vision from what I see to make this a legitimate sport, trying to get their support and their buy-in uh, versus like, Oh, I just want to go and try to rob. You know, I wouldn't say rob is probably not the right mm -hmm. word, but basically, you know, go win money wherever I can basically, you know, try to be, you know, almost like a pool hustler in some, in some respects. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, uh, so, um, you know, so it was like convincing those people, hey, we want to build this legitimate sport. So you can't go around hustling people left and right, <laughs> you know, if we're going to do that. I and, love it. Uh, and right. So getting those top players to buy into the vision and uh, and what we're trying to do and the fact that once we put this thing on ESPN and you're considered a professional cornhole player, uh, that comes with a certain level of responsibility that uh, that is just different. Mm -hmm. And uh, and fortunately, our pros are buying into that. And, and enjoying it and they enjoy sharing the game they enjoy showing up at uh, company functions at charity events and all these other things that they're getting invited to now and showcasing their skill and not going out there to try to uh to you know win some money and mm -hmm. you know that's not their that's not their main goal because now they can win money with us on espn let's get it let's get it absolutely yeah. man i love it and and you know you, you bring up the money aspect and i think it's really interesting i mean just the i think one thing that always legitimizes a brand or a company or a property like yourself is the partnerships that they carry and I think, you know, I've seen, you know, for hims, I think was last year, it looks like Manscaped is there this year, but then Johnsonville, I mean, having Johnsonville be a part of this was how, how, how much have you seen your brand expand now knowing you have like such a iconic grill meat grilling brand like Johnsonville. <laughs> I love brats. They're my favorite thing on planet yeah. earth. Like, what's it like having that kind of brand in your corner? again, just kind of, I guess, legitimizing or validating really what you guys are doing, knowing that that big of a company is willing to put their name behind you. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's that, uh, sponsorship from Johnsonville and that partnership that we have with them is extremely special. And, you know, I couldn't be, couldn't be more grateful for, for what they've done for us and our sport, um, because it was certainly a milestone, a milestone deal when first they gave us a shot uh, they actually gave us a shot on our very first linear broadcast, uh, kind of on a whim, and uh, and 
and they got it and they went viral and they were just laughing so hard. They're like, this is the best ROI in sports marketing. This is ridiculous. What, what just happened with, uh, with this trial. And, you know, that led into a, to a longer, but still a short term deal. So we Mm -hmm. did, we did that. Then we did a college event with them where we were actually their activation. uh, They're a sponsor of the sec and so for the SEC championship game in football, we actually did a live cornhole event um, from their footprint within the SEC fanfare. And we put it on ESPNU and that went really well. And that evolved into a into a long term deal and a, and a great, great partnership that we continue to to evolve uh, with them. And they leverage us in so many different ways, uh, like I said, whether it be their SEC sponsorship, whether they have our pros going out to grocery stores and Walmarts and fairs and festivals, uh, playing cornhole with, with, with everyday people and, and tying that in with the Johnsonville group brand. It's just been, just been fantastic to see how they've activated around their sponsorship with us. Yeah. And I th- again, I think it's awesome. I think it's the, if there was, I don't think, I can't think of a more perfect brand to be tied to cornhole, right? It's just no. like, Hey, we're outside. It's summer. You're grilling, you're throwing bags, one you know beer or tongs in one hand a bag in another it's the perfect perfect symbiotic relationship i think it's great and you know i think again you know just the the way you shoot the events i think is really cool as i told you i was watching it yesterday and it's you know half the screen is the board and where the bags are going and how they're going the other half is actually watching the players throw Mm -hmm. the bags and i kind of just a funny side note i actually know the director from Gray TV that shot wow. the, uh, his name's Nick. He's great. I actually interviewed okay. him on this show. So uh-huh. if anyone else is listening, go back and check uh, check out Nick's episode. But it's just funny how uh, how small the world is sometimes. But where did yeah. the idea to shoot the events like that, how did it go? Because again, it just gives these brands, going back to that aspect, you're always seeing you know the American Cornhole brand, the, the Johnsonville brand, and now the Manscaped brand are always on the screen giving incredible impression rates. Yeah, well, for I mean, first off, Nick is awesome. He's, he's great awesome. to work with. Yeah, yep. he, he's, he's so talented. Such and, a good uh, dude. Yeah, does a great job uh, with us. And, and you know, that's been another key partnership for us is that, you know, we started working with uh, originally with Tupelo Raycom, as you said, now now Gray. Uh, they still have that, that brand name as well. But, uh, uh, you know, they did the first linear broadcast with us on ESPN2, and we've been with them ever since. Um, and, and we just had a really great relationship being innovative and figuring out, you know, ways to tweak and continually improve what, what we're doing and what we're showing the public. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, the key part was right out the gate, we, we wanted that shot on top of the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that overhead shot of the board, I think was really key. And to be able to have the close up uh, on the players and see their face and watch them release uh, was cool. Um, I really liked a lot of the angles that the uh, that the jib camera that we used on this past broadcast worked. Uh, I think that was pretty cool. We've used a jib a few times, but it's not it's not a standard that mm-hmm. we're using for all of our telecasts. But uh, with this with this recent uh, pandemic. Uh, we actually uh, had a different type of camera setup than what we what we've normally had for the past year and a half or so, let's say. Um, and so we brought a jib camera back that we usually only, only use when we're outdoors. 
So I think this may be the first time we've used a jib camera indoors. And I, I thought it worked out really well. And uh, I thought we got some great shots. Yeah, man, I was watching it yesterday. As I told you, I, I turned it on and my parents said, what the hell are we watching? Why are we <laughs> watching this? And 20 minutes later, my mom's, I, w I won't quite say screaming, but she, uh, you know, she ex exclaimed a few times. I was like, happy Mother's Day, Mom, for you. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was funny. We were all watching it. We were all enjoying it. I mean, as I said, I've, uh, you know, been paying attention for a little while now, especially since last 4th of July. And uh, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, let, let's bring that up. Uh, you know, I'm very excited to talk about that. As I said before, not a little, you know, tongue in cheek, but you and Dana White, you're the only two sports going right now. I mean, what is it, you know, how, how did these opportunities come about? Do you go to ESPN and you say, Hey, we can, we can do it with the smallest amount of people. Give us our light, give us our day because you got nothing else, man. Give us a shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that was, I mean, yeah. Convincing ESPN that, uh, that we could put on an appropriate event, social distancing. And I do feel like like I've watched the Korean baseball. I've obviously seen what the UFC's done. Uh, see what the PBR is doing on on the bull riding standpoint. I know other sports are coming back, uh, but I, I honestly feel like we've done the best job of addressing uh, the pandemic issues, and, mm -hmm. and we run the safest live sport out there uh, right now. Um, and so I'm very proud of that, and I'm very proud to be one of the first back as well. Uh, I think it's a uh, it's a great accomplishment. It's a great testament to all of our partners. So, um, you know, we certainly appreciate ESPN. Give us mm -hmm. the opportunity to prove it. And hopefully, like I said, hopefully, you know, we've got a series set up where we've got six more after what we just did this last Saturday that we're trying to, uh, to, to, to get on the network in, in a live fashion, uh, which would significantly increase our overall airings um, that we're committed to doing with them right now. And, and it would be fantastic. So I think that, that just having that opportunity is big for us, big for our sport. Uh, it feels like it's a milestone event. It, feel, it feels like uh, this past Saturday, I still haven't seen the numbers yet, um, but it just felt like from all the Twitter conversation and everything going on that it was another milestone moment for us where we had a lot of first-time viewers uh, checking out the action and and like you said, like with your mom, people get sucked in. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was at... Uh, my nephew's graduation event, uh, I guess it was two years ago. And uh, one of our replays happened to be on on the TV. And most of the people at this graduation party, they had no idea like who I was or yeah. anything like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm standing next to a grandfather uh, who's standing with his grandson and his son. It's like three different generations are sitting there glued to the TV, watching Cornhole, commenting on it. And after about 10 minutes listening to them comment, I was just like, oh, by the way, I'm the commissioner of the league that's on TV right now. And they're like, what? No way. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that but, yeah, but it's, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's really what it's all about. I mean, cornhole is a great social game. It's a family game. And that's what we want to bring across. Like my goal would be, I want you to have fun with your mom and the rest of your family, kick back, have a beer, enjoy it, laugh, you know, fall in love with your favorite player, root them on, you know, get, get all pumped up about every shot that's about to be uh, executed and, uh, and have a good time with it. And I love it, man. And, and you said there's going to be potentially six more. So I'm crossing my fingers. ESPN picks all of those up. What mm -hmm. is it like coordinating with all the players? And, and I know you said you, you guys feel like you're doing it in a great way. And it seemed, again, from the broadcast, from from what I was able to see, you guys were following all the rules and everyone was being, uh, you know, copacetic and happy with everything. But 
how much work is going into, you know, a normal event versus mm -hmm. this extra layer of, of necessity on top of it, even though you're not allowed to have fans, even though there's a lot of other rules that are going on, how much extra work is that for you and the team over there to make sure you're checking all these boxes, but still at the same time, putting on a good event? Yeah, I mean, it was a ton of work, uh, you know, number one, just to figure out what to do, you know, what rules to create, mm -hmm. um, how that evolves. So, you know, you can so back on March 13th, <laughs> which seems like it was two years ago right, right now, this by point. the way, right at this point. I mean, it seems like it was forever ago. You know, we were in, in Cleveland, Ohio. We were in 141,000 square feet. We had 175 sets of cornhole boards set up plus our ESPN broadcast, we had 1,200 players that had flown into Cleveland to play cornhole, and we got canceled, mm -hmm. you know, by the city. And as you can imagine, all of our players were pretty pissed off about that, rightfully so. Uh, they had flown there. <laughs> we were pissed off because we had set up. We had set everything up. We had gone through all the expense to set up our courts and broadcasts, and then it's like pull the plug, pack it all up, head back to Charlotte and regroup, basically. And, uh, you know, the first thing we did was we tweaked our software, um, our staff, uh, our national directors, plus our technology staff uh, went right to work creating ACL virtual. And so we wanted to create a way that people could play cornhole in their backyard and still compete in tournaments. Mm -hmm. So now you can go outside if you have a board and you can play in a tournament with anyone against anywhere against any, anyone around the world you can compete with. Mm -hmm. in a virtual event and then so the second piece was okay i want to be one of the first sports back on on live tv and let's figure out how to how to make this an opportunity so we're like okay obviously we can't have 1200 players at an event um and we have to qualify players for our july 4th pro invitational mm -hmm. that's traditionally on after the nathan's hot dog eating contest which is one of our biggest watch shows uh, of the year. So I was like, what do we do now? We're going to have to cancel two national events. That's normally a qualifying process for that event. So let's just create a series of smaller pro only qualifier events without fans that, uh, that we can put together. And then let's try to come up with some rules that can uh, incorporate the social distancing and what the CDC is telling us and all the scientists are telling us that, um, that will allow people to compete in a uh, in a healthy environment. So we decided to to have a limited number of pros at each one of these pro qualifiers. We only allow our pros to play in two of the seven events, so that they're not overrun. So that we can make sure that we, you know, don't have any more than forty or fifty players max. So like this past Saturday, we had one hundred and seventy thousand square feet that we could spread out in. With uh, I think we had forty four pros competing. Mm -hmm. So everyone could maintain proper social distance. Got, and all, yeah. Distance. Yeah. And then on our broadcast court, we have it where the players step in and out of the box so that they're pretty much maintaining, maintaining six feet. And we had the official bag, uh, the bag officials, we called them that were grabbing the bags mm -hmm. for the first time ever. And so, um, so yeah, so we just came up with those rules and it's awesome, man. And so this is where we are. ESPN, give us a shot. Let's do it. And uh, give and us a did. shot, ESPN. Yeah. That's right. Let's keep on doing it. We want it. We want it. Give me more. <laughs> give me six more of these. I am all for it, man. Stacy, you know, again, I love what you're doing. I've always loved cornhole. I'm terrible at it, but man, I love it every single time. I feel like my perfect uh, level is like 
three beers deep. And then once I drink three more and then, then I get, so like those three beers, I'm mm -hmm. fantastic. If before and after that, I'm terrible and it makes no sense to me, but Stacy, yeah. man, this was awesome. I sincerely appreciate your time today. I can't wait to have you on again after all six events. So we can talk about how great they went, but Stacy Moore, American cornhole league commissioner probably liked a little bit more than Roger Goodell, but Hey man, we give you <laughs> enough time. We'll see what happens. Appreciate your time today. Stacy. I appreciate it, Michael. Thanks a lot. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode with Stacy Moore. Awesome, dude. Very grateful I got this opportunity to check him out and see what he's doing and get to ask him a bunch of questions about the league, how it happened, how it started, and what the heck they're rolling with now, which I absolutely love. I was watching it the other day, and I plan on watching it some more, so hopefully ESPN gives him a shot. If you could, please, as I said before, give us a five-star review, share, subscribe, get your friends to understand this a little bit better. Please check me out on Twitter at MichaelRazeal1, on Instagram at MichaelRazeal. Give us some love. Give us some help. We sincerely appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of. I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes.